Johan Santana. Yeah. Yeah. No hitter for the Mets. Never the same after it. I think the pitch count was different there, though, right? I mean, how many he threw a bunch? I mean, there's David Cohn had a couple 160 pitch. Um, those of you who who are listening now, and I know we're dealing with different David Cohn, the guy that pitched for the Yankees, the guy that pitched for a lot of teams, Kansas City, Mets. I mean, he pitched everywhere. Um, he's now a broadcaster on the ES network. David Cohn had a couple of outings that were 160 pitches, I want to say, right? And somehow he got through it. But you don't know what that's going to do to your arm. Um, I think Kershaw's limit was different than Santana was. I think it's a very fair argument. I, I, you got to have to side with the player here and just say, and I think this is the easiest way out of it because none of us were in that position, right? Um, is to say he, Kershaw knows his body. Kershaw is going to ride with his team and his manager. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. But I don't know how many more chances you're going to get to do that. And if I was him, I would have wanted to stay in the game at 80 pitches. We're not talking about 120, 80 pitches, you know, and go further. But he's the one with the ball. He's the one who was on the mound. and He made his decision. And going back to Johan Santana, how many pitches do you think he ultimately threw in that game? I just pulled it up. 140? 134. And it was after he had a shoulder injury. So 134. And the guy was, man, when he, when he first came up, whew, um, just dominant, dominant. He was, good. he was pretty good for a long time. It was a funny story about him in a rule five, uh, draft selection by the Minnesota twins. I forget where he came from. Maybe even Houston. Now. He yeah, did. He, he, I remember seeing him in Auburn, New York. Yeah. He was pretty good for a long time. And I guess that's, that is a cautionary tale coming off a shoulder injury to go out and, and compete for that personal glory about what your career can be after that. So, you know, Kershaw had an injury in the playoffs and, you know, with the buildup and maybe he just wasn't ready and is what it is. In the day, we have to accept that he had his reasons and I'm sure they asked him what he thought and then they, you know, he moved on. What are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at this Zoom thing and it's weird. It feels like this thing is kind of askew, but it's not. Like I'm mm, looking, okay. turning around and let me see. Nope. Same spot. We're good. All right. Another thing that has received a lot of attention in our neck of the woods is Steven Souza outfielder journeyman. I guess that's a good way of saying it yeah. on Twitter. He was mentioning about how in a series of tweets, he basically comes out and says more than half the league utilized a sign stealing system. And the Astros were basically made a scapegoat when it comes to major league baseball and disciplinary action. His first tweet was a response to a mention about people hating Jose Altuve. And he said, listen, I, I know you guys don't want to hear this, but those Astros guys are actually some of the, some really good human beings over there. Souza was in Astros camp in 2020, I believe. He says, I'm not going to get into all that, but you should know that if you think Houston was the only team with a sign stealing system, you're dead wrong. Uh, they were used as a scapegoat for the rest of the league. They didn't drag anyone else into it. So Astros fans uh, have really, this, this, this has fired them up once again, that basically the Astros, <laughs> you're rolling your eyes that, hey, everybody was doing it. And why did they blame the Astros? And why are the Astros the one to be made an example of? I'm going to say this. Well, let me let me get your reaction to all that first, because 
should the Astros fans just let this go or are they are they are they going are they going to wait for years and years and years for all these quote unquote other teams to finally get blown in to make themselves feel better? Um man. So so here's here's what I got. Um the Astros were not made a scapegoat. We talked about this off off camera, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to use uh, point out what you said um, is basically they were made an example, right? And I'm not going to take you said that. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to back it up and agree with it 100. They were made an example for a few reasons. Um, the chief reason was because they ignored the directive after it was sent by the commissioner. That's really the reason. I've said it a million times. Until you get until it's illegal. <laughs> It's you're not in trouble, right? The minute it becomes something that's illegal, probably should knock it off, okay? And they didn't do that. Luno himself said, I, I glossed over the email. I didn't send it down. Beltran has said it. The players have said it. They didn't, you know, I mean, no one is, it wasn't, it, it really is a clear cut case of the Astros knew to stop and did not. Now, they've also, one of the most hated and most, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to back it up with I have a, there's actually a couple of Twitter plants from Luno and Mike Elias and Astros at Astros front office to, you know, defenders. And they're all over me on Twitter sometimes. Actually, I think I won, won one of them over. It was beautiful the other day. OK, but um, that front office was selfish. That front office took took uh, was 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 cold. It was it was dehumanizing. The players didn't want to be around them. Uh, you want the exodus that's happened since you know, for sense of, of the core, it's not just because of dollars. Anybody thinks the Astros don't have the money isn't paying attention, right? The Astros have the money. It's whether or not they want to spend it and whether or not those guys want to be here. And they don't. And and other than Carlos Correa, who's clearly driven by the, you know, highest paid um, AAV for an infielder, everybody else here would have stayed and they've been treated better. And they didn't. And so when it comes to, to, to the, around the league, the vitriol that was there, it has a, it's it's a it's a full bag and full mix from the commissioner's office of these guys were kind of in bed there helping them revamp the league and and change things around and 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 really yeah tear down a lot of what's made baseball continue to appeal to younger audiences and move forward you know fan base generations at a time um, all in the sake of, of bloodless cash. No one, if anybody thinks MLB is hurting for money, like you're just, you're not, you're not awake. Like MLB has plenty of dollars, no matter what that means. And uh, I promise you, they're not going broke. I, I promise you, they're not going broke. Okay. But they will go broke if they keep following the, eventually the things they keep following that come from the Jeff Luno front office and Mike Elias, who has now taken that happy show out to Baltimore and watch them become the juggernaut of the ALE that we all knew they would be when he went over there. So what you have is you have this buildup from the commissioner's office. Look, I, I backed you. I sided with you. I listened to you and you screwed me like you didn't pay attention to what I told you. You screwed me because you thought we were buddies. I won't ever say that publicly, but that's what happened. And so all of that comes back down on the Astros being made an example, because when the commissioner says in writing, you don't do it. Guess what? You don't do it. That's his job. That's his job. And so when that happens, that's why. Now, for anybody else out there on the other side of the coin. Because I've never been hard on the players for what happened. 
I, I just, I never have, I, especially not when you hear they weren't told from the front office to stop. Other people were doing it in the league. If Daniel, you, me, and Daniel sat and did a spot on Sports Extra, which I have watched probably a hundred times, just going over about what happened in that scene or in that in that season and, and what led up to that and our interaction at that time. And Daniel made the comment essentially. He said, "What about everybody else?" And I said, "We're not there. Like we're not there yet. We're not there. Why weren't we there? Because we're focused on the Houston Astros breaking the commissioner's rule once it became a rule." That's it. So that's why the penalty was there. Anybody out there who's trying to indict the Astros as poor human beings, the poor human beings are no longer around. They're gone. A couple guys are in different organizations now, but the really bad people that were here, like the bad backstabbing, uh, complaining, bad for baseball people, not here. Players did what the players needed to do. A lot of guys didn't even do it. You've seen Redick and Altuve and other guys come out and say, we had nothing to do with this. And so get off the players and, and, and the fans that are out there booing these guys. Five years later, turn the page. Now for Astros fans, so that's why it took me a minute to kind of formulate this. Um, they're sensitive to it because they don't want to be held accountable still for a World Series championship in 2017. It's the first one the city's ever had. To me, that's more of an indictment on the people that have been around, not the Bobby Hex and Ed Wades of the world. And yes, the Jeff Lunos, who at least took the pieces that were left and traded for quality pieces to come back in and win a World Series. It's not an indictment on the city of Houston that the front office cheated and broke the commissioner's rules. No one's calling the city of Houston bad people or a bad place to be. Players are going to have to wear this for the rest of their lives. It's a mark. Whether they deserve it or not, it's irrelevant. They're going to have to wear it. And the other teams, it was well-known around baseball that more than one club was doing it. Heck, the Yankees have been talked about quite a bit. Even Beltran in his interview, he might as well have called it a tell-all because he told on the Yankees and what they were doing before talking about bringing it to Houston. Like, let's go. Understand that everybody was doing it. A lot of people were doing it, but that's not the point. The point is breaking the commissioner's rules. The Astros did it after it became a rule. Pay the punishment. And to be fair, Jeff Luno has said that um, any type of rumors of the Astros sign stealing, he wasn't asked to follow up on it. Uh, they weren't asking me to do anything. It was sort of a heads up, and I didn't think we were doing anything, so I didn't pursue it. That was uh, Jeff Luno's response in a television interview. When was that, and where was I? We reacted to it after oh, it that. Oh, that, that's right. Oh, that's not new? Yeah, Jeff, no. No, 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 no. And and whoever the guy is following me on Twitter, it was great. Following me on Twitter, defending Luno and, and Elias. And no, you knew. The email was sent to you. You're, you are you are this. You may, you may not be a great um, person when it comes to baseball, like as far as a human being in the game, but you ain't stupid. Like, no one's ever called the guy dumb. Like, the guy's pretty smart, right? You mean to tell me of all the emails and micromanaging and text messages and smoke signals and telegrams and all the things he did, the, can the candy grams he sent, and popcorn, you know, popcorn birthday gifts, all the things that Jeff Luno did with technology, he missed the – that's the one email he didn't read? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's the one he didn't read where Rob Manfrom goes, hey, or Jeff. Didn't, or didn't forward. Yeah, didn't forward. Hey, Jeff, stop it. Jeff's like, what are you talking about? Stop what? <laughs> so long. For real? Come on. That's the one he didn't do? Now, you have to miss me with that. You can say a lot of others miss me with that one. Jeremy, we had an episode the other night when the Giants were bunting in the sixth inning with a 9-0 lead and the Padres had a problem with it. 
I don't, I don't have a problem with it because the way baseball is played and the fact that relievers are volatile, like a lot, a nine run lead. Yes. It's a big lead, but with three more innings and you just never know if guys are going to lose it. Like, I don't have a problem with that. To me, if you, um, if you are t- button with a nine run lead, you're telling me you can't hit or you're afraid to hit now. Um, I do think we've lost a lot of the ethics and people say unwritten rules. I'm gonna call it ethics, right. And how to play the game. That said, if you're going to give up a bunch of hits, these players at the end of the year, they're still evaluated on hits, right? The threshold has always been seven, seven runs after the seventh inning, but it doesn't mean giveaway outs. I've never understood that you want to give away outs and points because at the end of the year, no one cares. They're looking at your statistics and how they're going to pay you and what your performance is. But I also understand there's a balance, right? And bunting in that situation is not a good idea. Doesn't mean you take your foot off the gas. Okay. Yeah, but there's so many guys though, that we, we talk about how they can't about situational hitting and going the other way and they can't do it. Like here's a guy that clearly um, was trying to do something to help his team win. I, I, they were, but you know, th- see, they were winning so by such a big margin at such a different point in the game. You know, again, it's a fine line because yes, relievers today will blow up. And it's funny in an age of pitching that's been better than ever. We have more position players pitching. We have more bullpens exploding. We have more injuries. But hey, you know what? Let's ride the, the pitching's better than ever, bus. Let's do that one. All these guys, oh, you you don't have to hit that. that. They're throwing hard. It's throwing. It is not pitching. People are throwing. And you know something? The velocity, it's technology. It's a mix of things. Yes, guys are throwing harder through natural evolution. But the pitching isn't better because you got position players pitching. So if you're in a situation where you have position players pitching, and that's acceptable in this game. You can take all the unwritten rules. You can shine them up real nice. You can turn them sideways and use somebody else's catchphrase because it's not mine, but you know where you can put them. And I can just tell you that if you're going to go ahead and we're going to devolve the game and position players pitching, then bunting is fine. I mean, it, the, the rules are out the window. We either have the rules or we don't. I was very interested in seeing and pleased to see Alyssa Nackin coaching first base, obviously the circumstances about why she entered the game. We'll leave that for another day. But um, the fact that she made major league history was incredible. On the other hand, gosh, I can't imagine that 50 years from now, we're going to be looking back and saying, Oh my gosh, what a great moment in, in baseball history and wearing that city connect Jersey. Like, I don't, not, um, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say city this is, connect Jersey. Like the road Jersey is your city connect Jersey. Cause it says your name, your, your city's name on it. We've gotten really, really ridiculous with some of this stuff, but I'm, I'm going to say it this way. And I'm saying it as somebody who um, in every sense of the word is a minority. Okay. We have now gotten to a point where we're trying to improve differences by, or eradicate seeing people different by pointing out that they're different. Is this woman qualified to be a major league baseball coach or professional baseball coach? You know what? I don't have the answer and neither do you. Somebody thought she was, she's on the field because she's a major league baseball coach. Is it a momentous footnote in history? Yeah, but that's what it is. It's a footnote because she's a human being. She is apparently qualified in somebody's radar 
It's not her first year there, right? She was there last year too, right? So she's been through this now on a team that went to the postseason, did they not? Okay, she's not she's not a rookie anymore. We're not talking about um, somebody who doesn't have any foundation at all. So she's either in or she's not. And as somebody who, um, let, you know, is look in every sense of the world. I mean, heck, my dad is Yugoslavian and Russian. And how about this one? The Russian part is actually Ukrainian and the Yugoslavian is Serbian and Croatian. For anybody who's got history, figure that out, how that happened. OK, and all of a sudden this minority melting pot through my parents turned out me. This guy. Why do I say that? Because as a true minority. Oh, here's another one. My dad's Jewish. My mom's Catholic. You can't draw it up any better than that. Okay. And I'm only saying that because as a minority, all you want to do is just be you. Does the differences don't matter? Am I qualified or not? Am I getting discriminated against? Well, she's clearly not. So good for her. She's on the field and go ahead and do a good job. Congratulations. You're the first to do it, but she's qualified. And we can't take away that she's clearly qualified to be a major league coach. I want to dive into all that, but another time. Like that one? Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. The local AT&T Sportsnet posted a poll during their game the other day. Which, uh, which early Astros storyline is the biggest pleasant surprise? I would have phrased it differently by saying the most pleasant surprise, but anyhow. Breggy's hot start. Pena's opening week, Series D and Energy, and the starters dealing. I'm going to say Bregman just because I think this this club's going to do is that you know as far as he he helps carry them, and I, I think the other guys are still role players. Um, Pena, you're going to need three years. I saw something the first night that was very concerning. I saw some better stuff later on in the weekend. Um, still flashes of the concern truthfully, but better stuff, you know, over the weekend, but you didn't need three years. You need, well, at least two You need this year, how the league adjust next year. And then what happens year after that? So we just need to all kind of hold judgment on that and see what the adjustments are that he makes. Um, right now, he just needs to be serviceable to help them win. So he needs to do catch the ball, have some decent at bats and, 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 and have some good experiences. Um, Siri is a young kid, plays a lot of energy who, if that's his game and he doesn't bring that, I mean, we have we don't have anything, right? So let's let's move on from the him being a pleasant surprise. Let's just focus on Alex Bregman and the health and the fact that he has a chance to be exactly what he should be, and that he seems to be all the way back and good for him because that's really good for the club. I would say the starters dealing. I think that would be the most pleasant surprise because um, with the shortened spring training, obviously Fromber did not have a good last outing, but uh, I, I think I would say the starters, Verlander. Urquidy, what these guys have done thus far, I, 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 I think that would be my most pleasant surprise. All right, time now. Uh, time now for the podcast portion where we look back at your old scouting reports. And this one has really, I found it very interesting because this guy was number 19 on your 2013 list. And he was drafted pretty high. Really? <laughs> The player comparison, Lance Parrish. Jonathan Denny? Jonathan Denny. All right. Didn't work. Didn't, didn't work. work. Mm-hmm. Regular catcher in a major league role, five hitter in the lineup. Quick transfer with easy carry through the bag that can shut down a running game. Bat profiles anywhere. Has rock star confidence and swagger. 
Unfortunately, Jonathan Denny never got out of a ball. Uh, he had some issues off the field. The Red Sox had basically cast him aside after he got in trouble. He was arrested during the 2014 spring training camp when he drove with a suspended license and acted belligerent with police. His license had been suspended because of a DUI arrest. The Red Sox at the time put together a specific program for Denny to help him. He was later picked up by the Kansas City Royals after spending two years away from the game. Were there any um, causes for concern? I, I think that's probably the easiest. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the cause for concern, you, you said it, but you, it was put as a positive. Rock star, confidence, and swagger. And lots of times that can be used to mask somebody who is insecure. Now, um, the way this works in scouting is as you get down to the, um, you know, the end, the end of the or into the draft into the spring, when you pass on somebody like that it has lots to do with the ask and because Red Sox took him, I think fourth round, right? Fourth round and paid third him round, some, third round, pay him some decent money. Um, it has to do with the ask and it has to do with, with some of the whys that you're figuring out as to why you wouldn't do that. Or would you, um, it appears that, you know, the swagger that we saw, was not swagger it was overconfidence that was based in insecurity and and some some mischief that went, went wrong right lots of times that can get go the other way the lights of what he was doing were too big for him at the time he probably knew it no in his senior year he didn't have a good year at all I mean it was really the opposite of everything we had seen leading into that um but you know that's that's really why that happens some guys can get it back on track because they're just freakishly gifted like Josh Hamilton and other guys can't and he's one of those guys that can't um, biggest concern with guys like that is that their life is going well and they've turned it around um, and that the trouble they've gotten to off the field is, is the thing of the past. And also when he first started in pro ball, his first taste of it, man, it was, um, I mean, you mentioned that perhaps he wasn't as good as he should have been his senior year, but I mean, he hits 203 with no homers in 26 Gulf coast league games. Um you know, it, it, you just wonder how much of that first taste of first real taste of failure, uh, affected a person. Um, well, I mean, that's a continuation of what he did in high school. He just wasn't right. His senior year, something happened between his junior and senior year. And I don't think the home life was great, Jason, now that I'm thinking back, but you know, and I'm not, I don't, don't quote me on that, but there was something going on off the field that he had in high school. That wasn't a great scenario. It just carried over. He never got his career back. Um, or had a chance to have a career that happens. It's, it's not a, not something you wish on anybody. Heck it's not positive, but what I would say is that for him, um, for him, the biggest key in that is to take whatever was going sideways and, and, and make it go forward. But yeah, I mean, this look, the swagger that you saw that can easily turn the other direction. Guys get caught up in the life they're insecure. And then you see what happens happen. Unfortunately, another case of a guy that people had high hopes for. He uh, played in the Pecos League. Sounds like Matt Harrington. Guess I should talk to the people I know in the Pecos League. But anyways, so that's what we got for this week, everybody. Um, you know, once again, we kind of threw it together at the last minute, but that's how it goes. It's... uh. We're back at it though. We're Sunday night, we're in the studio and, and, and Monday we are at the ballpark, correct? Monday we're at the ballpark. All right. 
All right, everybody. All right, everybody. Um, until next time, this is Extra Bases. Thanks for listening.